Yo, this is Joey Belladonna from Anthrax, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. This is Eric from Athene, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Hey guys, Headbangers and Metalheads, this is Doral Passion, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks, and I wish you a great time, and rock on. This is Tom Gabriel Warrior, formerly of uh, Hellhammer and Celtic Frost, now with Trypticon. Uh, you're listening to Iron City Rocks, uh, possibly among the best metal shows ever. Welcome to episode 70 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John. The Iron City Rocks podcast is a podcast devoted to promoting Pittsburgh's rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues music scene. In episode 70, we're going to take a look at some extreme metal in Pittsburgh. So if you're not a fan of heavy metal, I would recommend you probably stop listening now and wait for episode 71. In episode 71, I promise we'll make it up to you. For the rest of this episode, we're going to be taking a look at a couple shows that are going on in the Pittsburgh area and a couple bands uh, from the Pittsburgh area that uh, really kind of do it in an extreme fashion. So we're going to start by looking at a show that's coming to Mr. Smalls on October 14th. It's featuring a band called Trypticon. Trypticon may not be a name you recognize, but they're made up of the mastermind behind Celtic Frost and Hellhammer, Tom Gabriel Warrior. So they're going to be bringing their... Uh, show to Pittsburgh and opening the show that night is Crown the Loss. So we're going to start out with a song from Crown the Loss called Breathe the Emptiness. You can find more information about the band at crowntheloss.com. And then we're going to go straight into a song called A Thousand Lies from Trypticon. Uh, and you can get more information on Trypticon at trypticon.net. And then we're going to get into an interview that we did with Tom Gabriel Warrior uh, the lead singer guitarist. The interview was actually done by a buddy of mine Dario Psycho, who hosts FocusOnMetal.net, a new podcast that I've been working with. So if you're into this sort of extreme metal, it's a podcast I would certainly recommend you check out. Again, FocusOnMetal.net. So let's get into some Crown the Loss with Breathe the Emptiness, followed up with some Trypticon, and then we'll go straight into the interview with Tom Gabriel Warrior. <laughs>
today we're talking to Tom Gabriel Fisher of Trypticon, formerly of Hellhammer and Celtic Frost. I've been a longtime fan of yours. I, I remember being very excited when the uh, the announcement of Celtic Frost returning was made in uh, 2001, and I thoroughly enjoyed enjoyed Monotheist. And then the news of band this banding came down unexpected, and uh, you made an announcement shortly back, right after that, that you're coming back with Trypticon. And you know, to my satisfaction, Trypticon continues where Celtic Frost left off. Can you tell me how you came about to uh, put the band together so quick? Well, uh, Celtic Frost had, had reached uh, a state of, of uh, complete uh, immobility at the end. Um, instead of, of creating and playing music, uh, we wasted time endlessly arguing over the same points for months. And the last few rehearsal sessions of Celtic Frost, um, we, I walked out of the rehearsal room after hours being with the band and we hadn't played a single tone of music. Uh, that became Im- immensely frustrating to me. Uh, we weren't making any progress on the, on the human level and we weren't making any progress on the musical level especially. And yet I had written music and I, had, I, had, I was so eager to record a new album after, after Monotheist. So after after many months of this of this situation, I decided to form a side project to because Kelly Frost was simply paralyzed. So I decided to to rehearse and record the music I had written with a side project, and uh, that was late in 2007. And uh, I began putting together the side project. And as I was doing this, Celtic Frost fell apart completely, and uh, so I was luckily able to hit the ground running, and the side project, Out of the Blue, became my main band, and uh, that was the roots uh, for what became Trypticon. Cool. I like your uh, uh, calling, the, the involvement in, in, in third metal occult group, and therefore they're, they're triptych, and uh, they're split into the three sections. I like that. Can you introduce us to the members of the band? Because you have cons- considerably younger members in the band, and have the, but you know, with with uh, considerable experience as well. Yeah, maybe maybe a remark about this first. Um, when I put together Trypticon, the age of the musicians was, was of no concern to me. Um, after the experiences in Celtic Frost, um, my main concern was to find people who didn't have any ego problems who people who were more professional, more mature to work with. I didn't want to get from one problem band into the next one. So if the musicians that I would find would have been 70 or 20, I really didn't care. Mm-hmm. I just I just wanted to have people in the band who enjoyed music the, the way I do and, and uh, who I could rely on. Um, the person probably most known to the fans is uh, Vicentura, our guitar player, because he played with Celtic Frost, um, he played some, I don't know, 65 shows or so with Celtic Frost all over the world. He was our live guitar player, and uh, he fit so well, he played so well, and he was so easy to get along with that even in Celtic Frost, we, we decided to make him a cover for the next album. That, of course, didn't happen, but I, fi- I finally fulfilled that plan in, in, in Trypticon. Um, the bassist, uh, Vanya Schleich, is um, my best friend here in Switzerland. Um, we had wanted to work together in a project for many years. Uh, we simply never had the opportunity, but, but um, our per- we wanted to extend our personal friendship onto a musical level. And when I formed Trypticon, of course, she was, uh, after a recent tour, she was the first person I approached. Uh, the, the only n- new member, so to speak, of Trypticon is, is the drummer Norman Lohnhardt. And um, I met him through a recommendation of my manager, um, we had a brief session, uh, all, maybe all of 30 seconds, and it was clear that he was the drummer I was looking for. And uh, in, in the two years that we've been working together, he, he has now become a very close friend to it, uh, to the rest of us. Uh, tell us a bit about your debut album, Aparistera Demonis. What does it mean? How do you pronounce it exactly? Um, how it's pronounced, nobody really knows. Uh, because uh, the original pronouncing was was not recorded at the time, um, so there's there's considerable uh, leeway how to pronounce it. We ourselves pronounce it Um It means to my left the demons, and um, I of course like to play a little with symbolism as I always have. Um, one could possibly 
take to molest the demons as as a comment to uh, what happened to Celtic Frost at the end. It is, a, but all, it's also a statement uh, on on human behavior on this planet, and of course, it also carries a, an occult meaning. The uh, the the sound, like I said already, uh, is very similar to Celtic Frost to the the uh, the last album. This was intentional, right? You wanted to continue the legacy of Celtic Frost, but just with other people and. Because you well, obviously you had approach, unfinished business. You, you have to approach it from the other side, uh, the other way around. Um, what did Celtic Frost sound like? Uh, it sounded like the music I wrote. I wrote about yeah. 90% of all the music in, in Celtic Frost. And I wrote over 50% of the lyrics. And um, of course, if, if I form a band, it's going to sound like Celtic Frost because Celtic Frost sounded like me. Absolutely. I think that's the proper way to, to explain it. Um, on the other hand, of course... The, the problems in Celtic Frost were entirely of, of a human nature. Um, musically and creatively, I was extremely happy with the direction Celtic Frost was pursuing, and I was dying to further develop that kind of direction. So when it became impossible on a human level to carry on with Celtic Frost, and I formed a new band uh, musically, of course I wanted to use that band to, to further uh, follow that path, to further develop that music and see what we could do in the future. And that's exactly what Trip to does. And in, in, in that respect, yes, of course, we are a direct continuation of Celtic Frost's work, and that's very intentional. Cool. And uh, you've also, you have a long-standing relationship with H.R. Giger, um, but he hasn't done any uh, work for you in, in terms of, uh, you know, artwork in such a long time, well, since uh, To Megatherian. Is, this, is he a close friend of yours? He's a very close friend of mine, uh, together with his wife as well, Dara. They are a um, very important person in, in my private universe. Um, they stood by me at the time that was extremely difficult uh, to me when, when I left Celtic Frost. They witnessed all of this firsthand and uh, they gave me immense support. And I'm, I'm not talking about the, the, the album cover. I'm talking about the uh, human support, person support. Mm-hmm. H.R. Giger even, even offered uh, to go to talk to the owners of Celtic Frost in order to save Celtic Frost. And that's, that's amazing because I personally rate Giger uh, so much higher than anything Celtic Frost has ever done. Giger, to me, is, is, is a real genius. And uh, he didn't have to get involved, and, but he tried to save the band. And, and his wife was there. She was a true friend to me. At the time when I was basically finding myself on the, on lying on the ground, and uh, so they are very important people to me. Well, you, your music and his art just are such a perfect match. I just I can't I, I can't even describe that. I remember I, when I, uh, I think I think the same way. Um, I that the cover of Eparista Diamond is, is actually a painting I I had wanted to ask Giga for for a long time. I always thought it would be a perfect cover. Just like you said, I always thought it would be a perfect match with, with our music. And I actually, many years ago, I showed that painting to Martin and I said, uh, we should we should ask Giga whether he would be willing to give it to us for the next Celtic Frost album. And Martin agreed. Uh, so what I did with Triptychon was simply um, fulfilling that, that, that early idea and, and going that path. I also remember just before the uh, the breakup of Celtic Frost, you were going to be attending um, his uh, 10th anniversary party at the uh, uh, Giger Museum, and you guys were going to be performing there. What happened? Like, I, I obviously you attended, but uh, not with the band. I was always curious to what happened to to that. Well, I always wanted to um, visit the museum myself. I, I I don't know if I should I should relate that story publicly. Um, I, I felt very I felt very guilty that Celtic Frost did not perform at his at his uh, anniversary at the, at his museum's anniversary, and um, I talked to him how we could how we could um, rectify that, and um, he asked me if I knew another band that could uh, fill the void, and um, it preferably be a Swiss band. So I suggested the Swiss band from the French part of Switzerland. And um, that band said, yes, they would do it. And they agreed to Giger that they would would fill the void. And uh, the whole show was supposed to be a charity show. We we were hoping to make as much money as possible from that show for the benefit of the museum. Mm-hmm. And um, when that band found out that they, that they weren't going to make any money and that it was actually for the benefit of Giger, they pulled out at the last minute. Oh. 
and left Giger, left Giger standing there high and dry, um, even though they, 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 they knew it was a charity show. I think they, they simply became greedy after, after thinking about it for, for a week or so. And um, that has seriously tainted my respect for that, for that Swiss band. And ever since then, I, I haven't had any communications with them. Uh, do you often play your uh, Giger Ibanez that you have? You, you uh, play I that one on stage, and, don't you? And, and yeah, they're, they're, my, uh, they're my main guitar. Yeah, have I, you... Have you sorry, have you, have you ever been approached to have your uh, a signature guitar made by Ibanez for, for yourself? I'm, I'm yeah. endorsed by Ibanez, and they're creating a guitar for, for me personally right now, but it's, it's not oh. going to be on the market. Uh, no, they, they've never approached me for a signature guitar. No. Okay. Wow. Um, in June of this year, you were uh, you had received a Metal Hammer Award for inspiration. Um, I remember you were very modest in saying that uh, it should go to uh, Tony Iommi or Geezer or Angel Witch or Venom. Uh, which, but, you know, obviously this means that you're very influential and that award has to mean something. Obviously, people believe that you're huge inspiration. Yeah, but in, in all honesty, nobody was, was more surprised about this than, than me. You know, people continuously tell me that that I'm apparently influential and so on, and and of course that's hugely flattering. But to me, that's it's, it's at the same time it's hugely strange. This this is not the way I live. This is not the way I view myself. I don't sit here at home thinking, "Wow, you, you're such an influence." It's exactly the opposite. I I, I find it very difficult to to believe. Um, I've I've simply been a part of the music scene for a long time, and I'm very passionate about music. But you know, I'm, my my ego is is uh, my ego is not so huge that I think, yeah, I'm this huge influence. It feels very uncomfortable. In fact, I I I simply want to be here and and write my music and record my music and play the occasional concert, and that that's what makes me happy. And and going to London and receiving this award was an extremely surreal experience. And what I said on stage was not just to be modest; it was simply my honest opinion. Uh, I I was able to be there. I was able to become a musician because of the work of of, of Black Sabbath and, and Venom and Angel Witch. Mm-hmm. And if anybody should be honored, it's it's them, not 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 Tom, who basically took all his inspiration from them. Well, I'm glad that you think that way because I really don't have a lot of respect for people who have a huge ego. Uh, but I, I, there's no denying that uh, you've you've been very influential to the development of uh, extreme metal over the years, and even myself particularly. Uh, I'm a musician myself too, and I know when I first heard uh, Morbid Tales, that really changed changed me drastically. And that's you know, well, that, that's, been, that's extremely kind to hear, and and, and and of course it's flattering to hear. But but you you understand that I don't want to get involved in something like that. Um, oh, absolutely, it, yeah, it, totally it, it it's not my my place to to create music and then even then rate it myself. Um, as I said, I'm I, I was a, I was a young kid in in a farm town of fifteen hundred inhabitants, and I had a very very difficult youth. And my, my daydream was to, to play music in a band. And at that time, I thought this would never become true. Everything in my reality spoke against this ever becoming true. And the fact that it actually did become true means more to me than anything else. And, and uh, I'm very happy that, that I've been able to create albums to realize that dream. Anything that goes beyond that just blows my mind. And uh, it's really not up to me to, to, to indulge in that. Mm-hmm. I just want to. I want to. I want to write and create the albums as long as I can. That's that's all that matters to me. Good. I'm glad that you think that way. Can't wait to hear more stuff. You have an upcoming EP for um, uh, for the for the band is for Tripticon as well. Tell us about that. That's coming up uh, next month, I believe. It's going to be called Shatter. Well, well, the 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 EP is a bit of a self-indulgent project. Um, EPs, of course, don't sell as much as albums, and the record company is always very skeptical about releasing EPs. Um, I personally think an EP is geared towards the hardcore fan, like like me too. And I love a band; I, I love to buy everything they ever released. And uh, we came out of the studio after the album recording session with still plenty of material, and yet the album had already like a huge playing time. And we we couldn't possibly cram more material on there, so the idea of an EP uh, arose very early on, and then we played the Rope Burn Festival, and uh, we're lucky enough to record some of it. Uh, most notably, of course, uh, Celtic Frost Death Throne Empire with with Nocturnal Culto uh, by of Dark Throne on vocals. 
and I, I actually think his his version of this song is is much stronger than my my singing. So um, we we decided to put that on the EP too, and now the EP has a playing time of of thirty minutes. Uh, and I think it's 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 for for a hardcore fan, it's probably quite quite an interesting uh, project. Excellent. And t- tell us a bit about the upcoming events for Tripticon. You have a uh, you have some dates with the Mubor Gear in uh, Italy, Croatia, Luxembourg, and then you're heading out to for the North American tour in October, early October, with uh, 1349 and Yakuza. Yeah, um, we we actually just returned from Germany yesterday, where we filmed uh, Tropicon's first video clip for the song Shatter. Okay. Um, hopefully, that that will be uh, finishing uh, in pre-production very soon. And as you said, next next step is uh, this weekend we'll depart for three uh, special guest shows uh, to Dimo Borgir, which should be interesting. We have been friends for many years, uh, and um, I realize they're a very controversial band by now, but, but uh, on, a, on a personal level, we're close friends, and it will be fun to play with them. Then we'll, we'll play in Greece, and then it's time to finally return to the United States for some uh, 25 shows or so. We've just uh, been given the uh, work permissions by the American government, so hopefully everything will will work well. Excellent! Can't wait to see you on, on live again. Well, same here. Every everybody here is very excited. Uh, we were we were prepared to to work very hard and work for the long run with with Tripticon, and uh, astonishingly, a lot of things have happened a little faster. It will still take a lot of work to to get Tripticon anywhere near Celtic Frost, of course, and uh, maybe we'll never reach that goal. But the fact of the matter that that even in our first year we we were able to go to Japan and now we're about to go to America has blown us all away. And, and uh, we're on one hand we're very grateful, on the other hand we feel very honored that this is possible. And, and of course everybody in the band is dying to go to America. Excellent, good stuff. And of course the album has been received very well. Everywhere I've been reading stuff. Astonishing, so that's that's yeah. a gift. I mean, I, I realized that my departure from Celtic Frost must have been, at at best, very controversial for some some fans, and at worst, a lot of fans probably couldn't understand why this happened. And I didn't know what kind of effect that would have on my next album. I I was fully prepared that a lot of people would ex- approach my new album with a lot of skepticism. And yet it received fantastic reviews all over the world, and uh, I'm I'm honestly blown away by that. I didn't I, I didn't expect that, and it's an honor, and I'm I'm treating it um, almost as a sacred gift. Um, we're we're trying our best to honor such such a, a perfect reception, and and we'll do our best to to play fantastic shows for the fans. And you do uh, your show, your live show consists of quite a few uh, old Frost favorites as well. It's about 50-50. We, we talked about that from, from the very first day of Trypticon. We always intended to, to make a 50-50 blend uh, out of Celtic Frost and Trypticon. And we've done that now for a considerable amount of time, and it, I think it works flawlessly. Um, the music blends perfectly. Um, some of the songs um, that we play from Celtic Frost are closer to the album versions, for example, in tempo than they were when we played in the Celtic Frost. Um, I feel very, very happy. It's a very organic thing. Uh, I didn't want to become a Celtic Frost cover version band, but um, I think that blend that we're playing right now, it works just perfectly.
All right, that was Sathanus with Beneath the Blood Red Moon. Uh, you can find more information about Sathanus out of myspace.com forward slash Sathanus Metal. That's S A T H A N A S. They are a uh, Pittsburgh product, uh, so we wanted to give them some props. Uh, coming up, a song from a band that I've heard quite a bit about over the last few years doing this show, but haven't had the opportunity to cross paths yet. So uh, I was really glad to get the chance. This is a band called Deathlehem. You can find more information about them at myspace.com forward slash Deathlehem Metal, and that's spelled just like Bethlehem, but with a D. This is a song called War of Wizards. Deathlehem is going to be performing a show, kind of a Halloween party of sorts, taking place October 29th. It's called Halo Wizard is the name of the show. It's going to be Deathlehem with special guest Sykes. Tobacco Road, which have been on the podcast a few times, Verbs, and also the Motorcycles, who have been on our show as well. Uh, speaking of Tobacco Road, if you have the chance and you go to ironcityrocks.com, you can check out the very first episode of our new video show we're going to be doing featuring local bands. So if you're in a local band in the Pittsburgh area and you want to send a video in, there's information at the end of the video on how to submit your video for episode two. Again, this is Death Rock. <laughs> Again, October 29th, that's Deathlehem, who will be appearing at Mr. Smalls. All right, next up on the show, as if that wasn't enough, we're going to be featuring a band and an interview with a band called Watain. Watain is another uh, black metal band from over in the uh, Scandinavian region, so they're going to be coming into Pittsburgh on November 6th to play Mr. Smalls with Goat Whore and Black Anvil. Uh, Watain take their music incredibly seriously. So we're going to play a song from their new album, Lawless Darkness. This is the title track, and then we're going to get into into an interview I did with uh, vocalist and bass player Eric. (laughs) 
Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome to the show from the band Watain. This is Eric. Eric, how are you doing this morning? Pretty okay, pretty okay. Wonderful. Hey, uh, you guys are going to be coming in to uh, play on your Lawless Darkness North American tour with uh, Goodhorn Black Anvil. You're going to be playing in November at Mr. Small's in Pittsburgh. So, uh, Pittsburgh isn't probably known for their black metal uh, community, so I wanted to kind of give you guys a little bit of a plug and, and talk a little bit about the black metal music scene and your newest album. Uh, so, um, before we get into the new album, I just had a couple questions. Um, the name of the band was taken from an Avon song. Um, were you guys just huge fans, or was it just kind of the the, the title just kind of caught your caught your attention? I think it was a fine combination between the two. Okay. The, ba- the band Avon had already, at that point in our lives, played a rather big role, I would say, in our initiation into the whole black metal movement. That band always kept sort of a special place, you know, because they were, well, for many reasons, you know, but but, uh, the name Vatain had had always sort of stuck in my mind, and and then when the time came to to baptize our project that that we had begun there back in 98, we Mm -hmm. just... I mind, you know, that, of course, this this is it. This is the way to go. Now, um, being from Sweden, were, were Bathory sort of, of a huge influence for you guys, or was there another band out there that you might point your finger at and say, you know, like Venom or, or something like that, or was Bathory kind of the big thing, being so close to Stockholm? Yeah, I mean, Bathory is, is impossible to, to deny their impact, you know, on all of us. I mean, not only on Botain, but on our personal lives, so... Of course, they were an influence, but I think the main influence when we started out was, you know, black metal as a whole, as it were then, because we started out in 98, and at at that point, the whole black metal movement was seemingly, I mean, from from a global perspective, it it was at a very low point, it was very drained and very commercialized and you know it was things had just gotten weird but at the same time in the Stockholm Uppsala area where we were from things had moved a bit slower you know there was still there was still something very dark and very dangerous going on at that time which I think influenced us greatly you know? sure. and that from that movement that very you know violent and very very intense milieu we we draw our inspiration and we sort of initiated ourselves in, into the whole black metal thing and from there on the thing was born now was if you could describe maybe a little bit what the scene was like in in the norwegian countries at that time was there a lot of camaraderie between bands or was it more of a, a rivalry and, and you wanted to succeed more so than the next guy or was it kind of all for one I think that this this uh, sort of egocentric, like boasting, self-boasting attitude has always, unfortunately, existed quite a lot in the like metal genre, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, all for the wrong reasons. Because I think people have, I mean, I'm not a I'm not a very humble guy myself. You know, I'm not known for for I don't know, keeping my voice down, but sure about Vatain, but but still I I never I never done that because of some kind of you know wretched egocentric vision that I have of myself. I, I'm speaking about a larger context than mm-hmm. when I'm sounding arrogant, you know. And and that, that's something that I, I think people are missing a bit the point with, with with black metal usually being seen as something elitistic. It is in a certain sense, but it, but it is elitistic as a ideology and as a uh, as a um, spiritual movement, mm-hmm. not not because of the individuals that belong to it. Individuals are always, I think, irrelevant in the long run. I think the the message and, and the powers within that metal that's that's what one should be proud and, and that's what one could could you know boast about not individual 
achievements that's that's completely irrelevant in the in the long run. Yeah, I've noticed that particularly with the interviews I've listened to that you've done in the past, you always seem to be a proponent of the the genre of black metal uh, above and beyond just Watain, and, and that's that's what I was curious if it was you know it, it always seemed a bit adversarial between bands, but you've always seemed to to kind of speak to the greater good. Um, well, it's, it's it's both. I, I don't want to sound like a pacifist on the other hand because it's oh sure, it's very important to know that. Batain has a very strong standpoint, uh, and we do, we, we like to point out the fact that we actually rather alienate ourselves from what people nowadays maybe see, see black metal as, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, when I talk about black metal, I talk about it the way we do it. I don't, I don't count in their funeral in that, you know, they're doing something else. Sure. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about the latest album, uh, Lawless Darkness, um, maybe the writing process and how all that came? Are you kind of the primary lyricist for the band? Yes. <clears throat> I've been uh, I've been writing all the lyrics for Batain, apart from those w- which we have invited the guest lyricists for. Sure. And, um, I don't know, it just, it just turned out that way. And, and I think in the long run there was also a good thing because I've been... I've really been focusing a lot on, on on developing that part and and making and I have to say that there's been a lot of progress, you know, through these years of, of writing. So musically as well, of course, the lyrics are somehow ever evolving. You know, there are always the language is always progressing somehow. Sure. And the, the how to say, well, I mean, what I'm trying to do, and, and this goes for all of Lawless Darkness, not only the lyrics, but what we, what we are always trying to do is to have Vatain being a translator, if you will, of the language of our gods, and the music being, you know, our way of translating what we hear inside of our hearts. And the goal has always been to have to achieve a, as as perfect a translation as as we possibly can. You know, we, we want to we want to make the darkness audible. Mm-hmm. We want to make people feel what we feel by experiencing the pain. And that is a that is not a, a very humble task to to take upon oneself. But on the other hand, we've never been. Like I said, we've never been humble boys. You know. Yeah, certainly. Um, now, as far as musically, do you guys, um, you write as a unit. I know you play uh, bass on the albums, but do you guys, I mean, do you, does the guitarist do a riff, or do you start with drums, or how, how does the, the musical end of that come together, or do you do the lyrics first? Oh, I, I, I wish I could give you a, a concrete answer to that question. I, I've been getting it a lot of times, but uh, it's extremely hard for me to to talk about because the whole composition process always after when it's done you know it's it's always just a blur it's mm-hmm. like you get up in the studio uh, to record Lola's Darkness and we recorded it and after we were like how the fuck did this happen mm-hmm. what we done you know so it's it's uh, it's, it's weird it, it's just uh, it's, it's, it takes place in it seems to take place in, a, in another place in time, although it's, it's mostly done in a rehearsal room. Or in, in the case of Lawless Darkness, I also wrote a lot up where I was living. I was living in a very solitary place up in the far north of Sweden, in a small cabin for a long time, just focusing on the lyrics and the music as well. So that's where a lot of it came together. But but I don't know, it's, it's very inconcrete and, and very... The whole process is very abstract, very diffuse, so, which I like a lot. It's, it adds to the to the otherworldly feeling of it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do a lot of reading um, when you're when you're in the process of, of writing lyrics? Do you you know kind of go off and, and do you kind of get away from media and things like that, or do you do you maybe look at politics and what's going on in the world as inspiration sometimes for lyrics? Or I think. We mostly turn inwards, you know, mm-hmm. because that's that's. I mean, if there is one 
inspiration above all other sources of inspiration for, for, for what we're doing with Vatain. It's actually Vatain itself as a concept, as a brotherhood, as a temple. Mm-hmm. It's something that, especially on the last album that we have taken close care of, you know, not, not losing that focus because that's where all all the relevant parts of our music, all the relevant parts of our lyrics, they come from within ourselves. They don't come from external influences. And things that will be remembered in 10 years, in 100 years, they're the things that are born within the chaos of the self, not, that, not the things that are that happen to to come by, not, not, not an external events whatsoever. Okay. Um, as far as is a live band, you guys have, have kind of historically been a lot more... I would say theatrical than a lot of uh, black uh, of the other black metal bands. Was that um, is is that something you did intentionally, or is it just kind of a, a expression of of who you guys are? Well, I think it was never a uh, question about how we would appear on stage, or it was nothing we really planned. I think everyone was having, you know, kind of the same mindset about that thing from the very start, or at least after a while when, when we have started to understand what Latin meant and mm-hmm. what it was. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, I, I think I would have a very hard time going on stage in, like, jeans and t-shirt playing my songs. Not that I even wear jeans and t-shirt at home, you know, but... Right. I feel that it's it's a must for me to to be able to feel at one with the music and, and I want what we want on Batain on stage with Batain is to is to deliver totality of expression. It's it's not about that we have to focus just on playing the songs right or that we have to I don't know, have, have the right set of stage clothes. It's about the totality that we that we express. Okay. That so everything goes hand in hand pretty much. Everything from the stage props to the to the way to the volume on, on which we play the music to the stage clothes. Everything is the totality of expression. Now, um, are are you going to be playing any bass on the tour? Or are you just going to be doing vocals and having a, another person play bass as in past tours? We're we're definitely doing this tour as a five piece, which we have done all the time in Europe. But we have had some issues getting our guitarist over actually to to uh, USA. So what we have done in the past was having our bass player play, play guitar and me playing the bass. So it's been it's just been a it's just been a bit of a mess, you know, mm-hmm. which we, which we are used to on one hand, but still. This time, for once, for the first time in the U.S., I think will be a five-piece, and we will finally be able to do what we always have intended to do on stage. Mm-hmm. So you'll be bringing it as it was intended. Excellent. Um, you've done um, some cover art um, in in the past for different bands and, and yourself. Is that something you'd like to see yourself doing down the road? You know, maybe post Watain, or, or have you considered you know doing more of that type of work? I think post Vatain is uh, that's uh, it will be hard to do layout in a coffin, but uh, yeah, but uh, as, as as far as you know, I mean, I, we've, I've been I've been having that as a bit of a side income during the time when when Vatain has not been fully working, and I'm bringing enough money so I can at least pay my rent. Mm-hmm. So that's been like my my job on the side, but now I. I, I do I do some some work still, but it's it's very it's it's quite draining because I never I always give it one hundred percent focus, you know. And the pain takes so much time for me now, so it's it's hard to, to really have time for anything else, which I have energy for anything else. Certainly. Which I have a problem with on the other hand, but then it's always been the, the main focus of my life. So. Right. Um Beyond the genre of black metal, are there any other types of music that you particularly enjoy, or you know, maybe you know, completely different shifting of gears? Or I think I think most of the things that I listen to can probably be 
traced back to at least a dark and sinister source, mm-hmm. or, or at least a very powerful and emotional source. You know, I, I never liked the the dull or the the, the grayscale things in life. You know, I always right. been for rich experience and and uh, but I mean, I listen to everything from. Tom Waits to the cave to the Amanda Galas, even you know, his head stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, of course, I I I'm, I have a broad music taste, I guess one could say. Excellent. But uh, it's always been metal somehow dominating, you know, because it has everything that I'm looking for in music. I'm not just talking about black metal, of course, but you know, everything from Rainbow and and Dio and Judas Priest to to stuff like the stuff that we play you know. mm-hmm. it, 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 it has all the, the wildness and the, and the fire that, I want, that I'm looking for in art it's, it's, to me it's that perfect music genre you know. okay well I, Eric I want to thank you for taking the time out again remind folks um, the Lawless Darkness North American tour will be coming uh, to Pittsburgh on November 6th uh, 2010 at Mr. Small's um, Eric, it's been a pleasure talking to you. It's been uh, very enlightening to get to know a little bit more about your band, and I want to thank you for your time. Thank you, John. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to spread my word. struggle between everything and nothingness from local Pittsburgh band Storm King. You can find more information about them at stormkingreigns.com. Uh, impressive bit of musicianship there. I uh, hope you enjoyed this show. If you uh, are a fan of extreme or heavy metal, don't forget I mentioned earlier, focus on metal.net, a show that's going to be doing nothing but uh, the heavy metal stuff where uh, Iron City Rocks, as you've noticed, is uh, kind of all over the map and rock and hard rock and blues and all kinds of stuff covering Pittsburgh. So if you are a uh, single-minded and only want to focus in on the metal, then focus on metal is for you. Uh, we invite you back next time. We're going to have a really exciting guest next time. Maybe not quite as metal as this, but uh, maybe a little bit more punk, uh, a little more mainstream rock. 
Uh, so again, check us out next time. You can visit us at ironcityrocks.com. You'll find links to Twitter, MySpace, Facebook, etc. Uh, there's also the first installment of Iron City Rock Show, the new video show featuring local Pittsburgh bands. So check that out. And again, if you're interested, watch at the end on how to get your video on the show. We hope you enjoyed the show and we would appreciate any and all feedback, both via email and on iTunes. You have a great day. 